Hey, it's Travis. I wanted to take this moment to discuss our sponsor, BetterHelp. I used to think talking to a therapist was a sign of weakness until I started talking to one. It has really helped me limit the negative chatter that can infiltrate my brain. Therapy has helped me become a more insightful person, father, and husband. That's why I'm excited to tell you about BetterHelp. Their online platform makes finding a therapist incredibly easy. Fill out a brief questionnaire and you will be matched with a therapist in just a few days. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes, betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes, or click the link in my show notes. In doing so, you will be helping this show and you will receive 10% off your first month. If you aren't clicking with your therapist, if you're not getting a good vibe, BetterHelp will allow you to switch your therapist at any time with no additional cost. Online therapy is a game changer for me. I have such an erratic schedule. I work nights, weekends, late, early, holidays, you name it. Being able to video call my therapist from my phone in a call room, at work, or in my car, or whatever, it's extremely convenient for me and it allows me the time and the, the place to actually get my therapy in. So if you're struggling, if you need to talk to somebody, go to betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes and they'll get you set up with somebody. This has been my thank you note to BetterHelp for supporting this show. Hi, welcome to the Thank You Notes podcast. My name is Travis. I'm the host. On this podcast, I invite people on, I write them a thank you note, and I read it to them. In exchange, they write a thank you note to someone or something they feel deserves a public display of gratitude and reads it on air for me and all of you. I'm really glad you decided to listen. My guest today is Dr. Rocco Florio. Rocco is an OBGYN who is currently practicing in Kansas City, Missouri. He is originally from New York, where he did his med school and his residency. He and I met through a mutual friend on a ski trip in 2011, and we've been friends ever since. On this episode, we get into the ski trip, we get into his new side project, owning and maintaining a farm, and he shares a note to the parents of one of his childhood friends that really helped him out. So without any further ado, let's get to Dr. Rocco Florio. latest i've ever recorded i got my brown i don't know if you can see that yeah what are you drinking kentucky owl nice mm-hmm. is that i know nothing about booze neither do i i got um a brother-in-law who lives in kentucky he's a sweet guy and he sends me a bottle every year this bottle's weller's or weller it, it said it's a weeded bourbon i'm assuming it's made from wheat but it's pretty delicious. I do a slice of lemon in mine. It's like an old fashioned without the sugar. I've had your old fashions. They're they're worth it. I go back and forth on like keto thing or sugar and <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, that's strict. It can't even be in your cocktail. So Rocco, we're we're live. This is the Thank You Notes podcast. Seemed to take a liking to it and said I ripped off Ira Glass. Well, no, I didn't say you ripped off Ira Glass. I said you, you're in the same genre as that, which I thought was a celebration of everyday life and a positive spin 
on humanity, which, yeah. And the fact that you don't know who Ira Glass is or ever listen to This American Life makes it even more genuine. Well, fa- thank you. I, that was kind of nice to hear that. And I'm getting, people are just kind of coming out of the woodworks and saying that they're liking this. And you were one of the first people. So, so thank you. So here you are. You, you made it on. Yeah, I'm excited. So let's start it off. Do you write thank you notes, Rocco? I have never written a thank you note in my life. <laughs> really? I'm just, uh, yeah, it's funny to think about it. Being young and naive, it was never something that my mom or dad did. I think I always just looked at it as a, like, well, I just said thank you. Why do I have to do it again? But as I get older, I see the utility of it. I think it's super sweet when I get one from somebody. Like to this day, I still have not written one. (laughs) Yeah, it's horrible. So what's your reaction when you get one? I'm always taken aback a little bit because I'm like, well, it's like, oh, wow. Like that was above and beyond. It's something I remember. I'm always uh, appreciative of the extent people go as far as their stationary for them. So I think that might be what really gets me when it's like a really more about the medium that it's on than actually what's written. Like I've heard you say in previous podcasts is, you know, short and sweet's best. And I agree, but it's to me, it's like, you know, when they write it on something that they took the time to kind of procure a thank you note that represents them. That's what I think I remember most about yeah, I haven't gotten that far. When my mom would make us go all around town when the stationery stores had clearances, and she was like, we got to get the crane stationery, the thank you notes. So we just have boxes and boxes and boxes of this stuff when I was growing up. You know, when I graduated from high school, they, they made sure I had personalized stationery to write notes and stuff. And <laughs> I moved this box of stationery from like college to med school to every like i it's probably still in my house around here somewhere yeah the amount of carbon spent uh in lugging that stuff around it's got to be pretty amazing what about your wife karen does she write thank you notes or is this uh the florio family no yeah we uh we're kind of the same person in that extent to the point where i think when it came to our wedding she may have written thank you notes for that and then just handed a stack of them to my dad to distribute because <laughs> my dad had the invite list or something because it was we had it at his house and my father being of, of the no thank you thank you note camp i think they sat in his dirty pickup truck for like two years before <laughs> he was like oh yeah You're like buried under you know some asphalt tools or something and it was like oh yeah i never got those out <laughs> You know, again, we said, I think we spent half the wedding thanking everybody. It seemed redundant at the time, but now I understand the purpose. I think there's different ways to show gratitude. I think a thank you note is just kind of one way to do that. And from what you're telling me, you you made it a point to thank any people specifically. Thank you for this. Thank you. You know, make a phone call, make a something. I I, I guess it doesn't have to be a note. And that's just kind of what I grew up with. But it's the thought that counts. It is. But to me, it's something that now looking at it, when it's done, it's not just in the ether. Like, oh, I said that, or I called you, or I texted you. It's like a piece of paper that you get, and it's it's there. It's concrete. Email, you know, that used to be, there's the meme where like when you used to get an email that was a big event, and now you just get so many 
Whereas you used to get so much mail on it, it wasn't a big event. But now when you get personalized mail, it's it's a big event. Like, oh, what's this? Who's it from? And the pendulum has shifted tremendously. Yeah, absolutely. A handwritten letter, like that would blow me away. I can't even remember the last time I've gotten one from somebody. So we should probably tell people how we know each other. How, how do you and I know each other, Rocco? Ski scoot. Ski scoot. Yeah. What is, what is ski scoot? Our mutual friend, Bill Dudley who you went to residency with, but also you, did you guys live on the same property? I lived in his garage apartment that for was my it. last yeah. two years of residency. And he was my med school roommate. So we're kind of connected that way. Billy D is the center of the wheel and we're just spokes. Exactly. I was just doing the math before you got on. It's been 14 years since Vale. That was... Uh, 2008, like early 2008. No, I'm going to have to correct you there. That was my last year of residency. That was 2011. Oh, you're right. I take it back. That was med school. So 2011, four years later. So we're over 10 years. So that that was my point. January 2011, you, myself, Bill Dudley, Chris Mosella, and Miguel DeVal DeNebro all go to Vail for a week. Five guys in a two-bedroom condo. <laughs> <laughs> and uh what what happened that week why has it reached such mythic proportions uh besides the really good skiing snowboarding mostly i think we were all snowboarding was i enjoyed just hanging out with you you know bill chris and miguel but especially with you man like the cooking side of it i think that's what i always took away the most from these trips was eating in and making a big deal out of making a meal and spending time at some whatever airbnb back then it was we were just staying in condos but it's funny to think that i enjoyed the peripheral stuff even more than the snowboarding even though the snowboarding was awesome getting to know you and mock and miguel and everybody else who's been on these trips for 10 plus years has really been awesome i look forward to it every year i've Felt the same way too. That the cooking that you and I do on the trips is the most fun cooking. Okay, and I don't know that the results are ever out, out of this world. I do have more fun doing those than I do any other meal that I cook. Yeah, I agree. I'm the same way. I, I look forward to it every year, and I haven't been in four or five years, and it's it's killing me. I'm really trying to make it to to Jackson in February, and it looks like I'm going to make it. Awesome. It should be good. So 11 years, uh, we've been going to these ski trips. They bounced around uh, to different mountains. It's usually like a week, sometimes less. Now that everybody's, you know, gotten married or most people, most of the people have gotten married. Most people have kids. It's, uh, it's still important to, to make time for, for those things. And, you know, you've, you've got to have your own stuff. You got to have your own things of things for yourself that, you know, don't necessarily contradict your family but it just enriches you don't you agree yeah i think this is um this is satisfying that adventure need getting out hanging out with a bunch of guys hitting the mountain early hitting it hard and then coming home and there's something about that more now than ever i think it's hard to get in your life is you know when you got work and family and kids and everything else going on just to be able to go do something battle the elements something physically taxing and then come back and then celebrate it with a bunch of people you like and pick their brains about stuff it's it's hard to just hang out with a bunch of guys 
in general now. I like that it's all slotted out like that. Yeah. So you're an you're an OBGYN in Kansas City. I'm an anesthesiologist in Dallas. I'd imagine mo- most of our days are pretty much the same. See the same people, and after you've been doing this as long as you and I have been, every procedure, every delivery, every C-section is more or less the same. There's the kind of the outliers, but bell curve is top of that bell curve. You ride that for most of your career. This is a chance to hang out with people that, you know, that kind of are going through kind of the same thing that you are, but different going and hitting the mountain and challenging yourself in a new way, talking about it. That that's just the thing that refreshes me about the whole thing. Yeah. I always leave charged like, yeah, uh, like the batteries charged. So let, let's let's talk a little bit about you, Rocco. Yeah, like I mentioned, you're an OBGYN in Kansas City, and you did med school in New York, correct? Yes. Tell me about your practice in Kansas City. We are in Lee Summit, which is a suburb of Kansas City. Uh, we're on the Missouri side. We've built this practice uh, a little over five years ago to now. It was just me and another doc when we started and a midwife, and now we got six docs the midwife, three nurse practitioners. And it's a, it's a general OBGYN practice, it's, which I like, the versatility of it. So I'm in the office most of the time and then uh, cover the hospital as a hospitalist one weekend of the month, usually doing one call a week and one weekend a month. Uh, we read ultrasounds. We do procedures. We're probably three-quarters OB and the other quarters GYN. And I got great partners now, which makes my life easy. And it's been nice. We're we're part of a corporate system, but they essentially leave us alone to kind of run the practice the way we want to, which is has been great. I feel like we have a private practice where we don't actually have to deal with the business side, which it's is nice. Yeah, it is nice. And you also have a, a second job now. You're a part-time farmer, isn't that correct? <laughs> I am. You caught me on a bad day because a raccoon got into the chicken uh, coop last night. But yes, for that same five years, uh, we we bought 20 acres of land about three miles away from our house. It's got a pond on it. And we started with uh, six sheep and a donkey. And now we have 30 sheep. And oh man! Yeah, at some point we had thirty chickens too, two beehives, a pretty thriving garden. Until this year, it's been really dry. This year, it's been hard to keep things growing. We've tried to get a vineyard going. I, at some point, we planted one hundred and fifty vines, and that's that's a work in progress still. Yeah, that's uh, it's been a lot of fun. The sheep are amazing animals. Chickens are probably the best of of all the farm animals because you get a little gift every day. So going out there, getting an egg is pretty rewarding. Eating all our like veggie scraps has been amazing because I think part of all this was wanting to be more efficient with our waste. So having a legit compost system was important to me. And then when I got chickens and uh, like, I don't have that much compost left because I eat almost everything. So it's been really cool. So what was the impetus behind the farm and everything? Because you didn't grow up on a farm. No, I I grew up in suburbs of Long Island, New York, minimal land, and didn't know anybody with a farm. Like the idea of farming in general, like we could go out east 
uh, Long Island and there were people who had vineyards and stuff, but it was completely foreign to me. It's pretty serendipitous. I think I may have told you the story, but my mom and I were hanging out. It was, I think it was right after New Year's Day. She was visiting from Savannah, Georgia. They moved down there and uh, we went to lunch and then uh, she wanted to look at a couple houses uh, for sale. And so we were on Zillow at this fried chicken restaurant and uh, I said, oh, look at this thing. And I was like, "This, there's no house on it, but it just went on for sale today. This was like January 2nd, five years ago. And I said, let's go check this out. It's close. I always wanted to go up that street. I've never driven up there. And we drove up. There was no for sale sign or anything yet, but it was this big piece of property with this grandiose green gate with these bulls, like uh, these like iron stencils of bulls on each gate. And so I actually hopped the fence. It was snowing. It was pretty rough weather. And I remember like saying like, oh, I might get mauled by a bull walking back here. <laughs> and I was looking at it and I saw the pond and just saw these like rolling hills and it looked beautiful. And I jumped back over the fence and got in the car. I said, oh, wow, it was pretty cool. You know, nothing like what you wanted, but nice. I'm happy we saw it. Went on with our day and it just stuck in my head for a couple of weeks. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And finally, I told my wife, I said, I think we should buy this. I think it's, I think it'd be good for our son. I think it'd be good for us to have like some land because I love our house, but we live in like a pretty scrubbed suburban neighborhood to have a little bit of nature that close to us was a, a big benefit. The deal went through and once I bought it, then I was kind of like, all right, what are we going to do with it? It was really overgrown. So I started doing research on what kind of livestock would be good for that. And everyone was telling me to get goats, but kept reading how, how good they are at escaping. Yeah, we ended up getting sheep because they weren't so picky with what they ate as cows are. And they've been great. So I, I found him on a Craigslist from a guy about an hour north who is the sweetest guy ever. He he owns like over a million square feet of warehousing in northern Kansas City's older guys in his 80s. But he told me a story. He was hardworking dude, dyslexic, and really just walked into this real estate guy's office one day in his 20s and said, I want to buy a warehouse. And the guy said... Give me the name of five people you know and their phone numbers. And then don't call me. I'll call you if we could do a deal. And the guy called him back and said, you seem like you're a stand-up guy. I'm going to give you this one warehouse and you could pay me like rent, but rent to own. And then uh, John ended up doing eight more of those deals or something with the same guy. Yeah. I mean, he lived on 80 acres of land, this beautiful house up there. He's just the sweetest guy ever. And so he raised sheep as a kid. And so he started raising them and, and he had way too many. That's where he was trying to unload some. And I ended up buying a bunch of ewes, which are female sheep off of him. Then I got a ram later. And then that turned into like nature finding its way. It's been really fun. It, I, it gives me a lot of balance uh, in life as far as having uh, the professional side work and, and kind of putting my head in that and then being able to step away and be out there and shut it all off is wonderful. I was going to, what would have been your son's and your wife's response to it? Do they do a lot on the farm or is this mostly your hobby? Karen, definitely. Like Karen, uh, 
she lived on 80 acres growing up. She knew all about this and she kind of chuckled at me. She said, you don't know what you're getting into. And she is very helpful. And we've had great times out there where we've made big fires and had a bunch of people out there. We had our babysitter's daughter's wedding out there last year, which was probably like the crowning moment. We had a really good time. But in the end, yeah, it's my baby. I think my son, he loves animals. He's out there. And when I get him out there, he wants to stay. I can't get him to leave. But it's sometimes it's inertia trying to get him out there because it, it's Missouri. It's hot. It's cold. It's, it's not always super comfortable to be out there. Right now, this time of year is perfect. So we were out there the other day. And it was the same thing. Once we're out there, he's like, can we, can we stay? And I said, yeah, like until dinner, like we got to go. But yeah, this is, um, I had Nathaniel out there for two years and he was, he's a German guy who's got U.S. parents that were out in Cologne, Germany for work and had all their kids in Germany. And then he met a gal who had a, a Swiss father but she was American and they lived in Switzerland for three years, even though he was a personal trainer by like education and trade, he ended up working as a shepherd for a veterinarian in Switzerland. Uh, by happenstance, she was a labor and delivery nurse and somebody said, Hey, you should hire Danielle's husband. And I did. And, and he taught me so much just about raising sheep and rotating them on the land. And, and it was amazing. And then they moved to Charleston. But while he was there, uh, we had that place humming and I learned a ton. So it's been a ride. Have you watched that show on Amazon Prime, Clarkson's Farm? I have not. So do you, are you familiar with Jeremy Clarkson and Top Gear and all that? Yes. When the pandemic started, he dis- he lives out in the country in England, and he decided to turn his... He has a huge estate out there, and it's in the middle of a bunch of farms. So he decided to turn it into a working farm, and he made a show out of it just to show how how hard that you're, how much you're essentially scraping by. So he gets a pack of sheep, and he I, I forget what he, he grows potatoes and soybean, and and, he, and it goes through a lot of what you're talking about. Him learning about sheep, shearing, he learns how to shear them. You know, he gets two rams, and they have a litter of she of uh, ewes, and they. <laughs> They get woken up in the middle of the night because the the lambs were in the wrong pens and like the moms were trying to kill them. Yeah, they're freaking they're out. Freaking out. And yeah. it's just a bunch of stuff that you don't realize. It's 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 a lot of work and it's a lot. It's a whole other world that I was just kind of enlightened. You may like that show. I should definitely watch that because um, there was one I can't remember the name of it, but it was something early on Netflix that probably started my desire for this whole thing but it was about some guy who was up in new england and he was an artist to make money on the side he was working at some farm and then he got his hand cut in some like wood chipper or something and so he screwed up his hand and he ended up becoming a farmer and just like all the stuff he goes through and it like that's what i've realized since nathaniel's left i was doing it all myself for a while and um i was trying to keep things pretty minimal as far as maintenance goes and being natural and things were working out but when nathaniel got there and showed me how how much more efficient you could be and just how much more productive 
And then when he left, it's all I've been laughing about is like nature's winning there. I don't have enough strength or diesel for because I don't have a like a real tractor or anything to fight back nature to see what this place has gone through since he's left and the amount of like handwork he did. It's just it blows my mind. The guy was a truck. It's really like what I've what I'm learning now is like nature will always win when the human race is whenever that ends like you'll never know that we were here uh because it won't take long for them to overgrow everything we we built yeah, yeah i should watch the show it's been a lesson that way because i i felt like for a while i had this stuff down pretty good but this last year has been a lot all right well i'm gonna read my thank you note to you rocco another you rock <laughs> dear rocco i wanted to take a moment to thank you for all of the advice and reassurance you gave me and my wife during her pregnancy. While I did receive a brief education in obstetrics, it was very quickly tested and defeated in the face of firsthand experience. Your phone calls and texts went a long way to calming both myself and my wife. You're also instrumental in establishing our ski trip and keeping it alive for 11 years. It's been a highlight of my life and I'm always jonesing to go back. Thanks a lot and see you on the mountain, Travis. Wow. I love it. You know what? I, I I forgot that you would you would call me or text me during your pregnancy. You must get it all the time. It's funny. Like right now, my my father's been dating the same woman, Ness, and she's super sweet. But her daughter is now pregnant, um, and she just told me at their grandfather's funeral that I was just at. And since then, she's texted me a couple times, and it reminded me that her sister did the same thing. It's so. What I'm chuckling at, just as you read that, it it happens. I guess it happens a lot, but I really enjoy it. And I don't, I look at it as just like a friend texting me. I don't remember it as like, oh, like I helped you out during your pregnancy. It's funny. But I mean, the fact that I'm able to do it is is awesome. So, Man, I, I wish I could have that mindset about it. People don't, re- you know, try to pick my brain about something that's going on. It's- Yours is a lot more commonplace. That's real. That's a really awesome mindset to have about it. And I wish I had the same. I'm lucky in the sense that obstetrics is usually a normal, healthy person who is experiencing a bunch of really weird things that they never experienced before. But then they'll go back to normal, right? So it, it's happy medicine. I'm there to reassure them, and you know, every once in a while, I catch something serious. But it's a lot easier than actually dealing with somebody who has some serious medical condition that is going to change their life forever for the negative. So I do feel spoiled that way in this field. Yeah, I remember when we'd have med students or even OB residents rotate through OB anesthesia. And they're just like, hey, I want to do a crash C-section. I want to do this. I want to do this weird, this esoteric thing. I'm like... Honestly, ninety nine out of a hundred women that come in here are going to deliver uneventfully. Yeah, you know, put your epidural in, put your spinal in, baby comes out. Ninety nine out of a hundred times, that's what happens. Are, are you still doing OB anesthesia? I am not. I was going to say because I feel like in the last, I don't know if it's just from co like from COVID on, or if it's been before that. But we have all said like, man, like people are just sicker. I don't know if people are just heavier or just having their babies later or what's going on, but it's just like 
between hypertension and preeclampsia and other things. It's, I feel more like a medicine doctor than I did in the past. It's worrisome. It is. No, I, the last time I did OB was about two-ish years ago. It, for the most part, you know, I put in a few epidurals and that was that. I did have a woman deliver a 25-week-old and they asked me to intubate the kid. Yeah. And that I'd never done that before. So that was that was a little remark. But other than other than that, I haven't my OB experience has not been that exciting. All right. So you have brought your own thank you note. Who did you write a thank you note to? All right. This is gonna be a, a little bit of a roundabout story. I'm gonna start it with Xander. Xander is my son's friend who lives around the block. He's a kid who I see him in the summertime. I see him outside at like seven in the morning riding his bike. I see him at like eight at night, just walking the streets. And it's like, man, the kid is just always outside. And he comes over and he knocks on the door and he's buddies with Rocco and he's a cool kid. And we got to know his family and his mom uh, has two young kids. I think they're one and two years old. And Xander's eight or nine. So crying babies, stressed out mom and, and dad works nights. So either she's telling him, you know, go get lost and come back for dinner. Uh, or he just voluntarily is just trying to get away from all that. It reminded me of when I was a kid. Lexi, my sister's uh, two years younger than me. But then uh, my mom had Sarah and Maxine 10 and 12 years later. I kind of, it like brought me back to how intense the house was with two babies at home and my mom dealing with it, my dad working his ass off. So I was always looking for some sort of sanctuary. And uh, my buddy Eric, his parents were always just so friggin' kind to me. And like we would, we would hang out at his house all the time and I would sleep over all summer. They like just brought me into their family. And I love my parents. They were, my parents are the best. They really are. But at that point in life, I just, I think I just needed some sanity. And uh, Mr. and Mrs. P uh, were able to kind of bring me in and, and give me that piece and teach me a ton. Seeing Xander over here reminded me that like Eric and I, as we got older, we drifted apart. And I never really thanked them for just being amazing people who were just so instrumental in my life. So I wrote my thank you note to them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. P, this thank you note is long overdue. I always immensely appreciated your hospitality and love. But when Eric and I drifted apart, I lost touch with the whole family. You were both so influ influential in my life. You showed me how to be patient, accepting, organized, and successful. I'm so blessed to have been a part of your family. Thank you. It's funny is um, I used to correspond with, with Mrs. P on, on Facebook for a while, but I got, I've been off that for six or seven years. So I don't even know what they're doing. I have to get in touch with them and actually send them that. Having done a few of these and talked to some people, you just start to realize how often this kind of thing happens where some set of parents will semi-adopt, you know, one of their kids' friends just because of whatever kind of madness is going on in their house. And I remember a few instances of that happening in my high school, you know, some kid couldn't stay at home because his parents were going through something or whatever. 
nobody's forcing you to do it. Nobody's at, and nobody would think less of you for saying, you know, not for not for doing nothing or just chipping in a meal every once in a while, but for people that actually step up and do these things for kids, it's, you know, I'm thankful I never knew, but it, it really is something special. So I'm, I'm glad you did it. And I, I didn't know anything, any of this about you. I've known you for several years, but I've never, I've met one of your sisters, but I, I didn't know much about where you grew up and what was going on and you and your adolescence. So I, I thank you very much for sharing that. I really, you know, the whole, it takes a village to raise a child. Like the older I get, I understand that more. I also wrote a thank you haiku to you. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I love haikus. I didn't know. This one is uh, kind of insider baseball. So, Uh-oh. but I think we, we might've unpacked it enough with the ski scoot stuff. Okay. Shaggy wet beard ski with sincerity abound. You OG for show. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the shaggy beard for everybody is if you Google beard ski, B E A R D S K I, it's these masks you can wear while you're skiing with a giant beard on them. And I used to wear one, I still take it with me every once in a but the beard ski. So those things would mine would just get caked trying to follow people that were better than me into the rough terrain. I love it. I haven't heard a haiku in years. You're coming back. Well, Rock, I think that's as good a place as any any to end it on a on a haiku. Uh, I'm really glad you did, you came on, and I'm really glad we did this, Rock. Do you have anything else to add? No, you keep going, man. I I thought about it. I I think you'll have Barack on here in two or three years. That's two or three years. Yeah, that's that's my over under. We'll say three. Uh, under under three. You heard it here first. 20, uh, 2025. Get Barack on the thank you notes. I'm looking forward to it. Well, thanks, man. Well, uh, all right, brother. See you in Jackson. Rocco Florio, doctor, farmer, snowboarder, lover. What can't that man do? Thanks, Rocco, for coming on again. If you've made it this far, please consider leaving a review. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get these things. Uh, If you have any constructive criticism, like I had somebody tell me that they could not hear the show unless they had their volume on 95%, let me know. Email me, Facebook message me, whatever. I don't know these things. I'm not an audio engineer. It, uh, It helps me make the show a better experience for you guys. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Bye.